considered to be, quote unquote, gray areas in the church. Uh, in your mind, what is what is the word of God saying to us about how to approach areas in our lives that are not explicitly dealt with in the scriptures? Yeah, I think the best text for us, and I think we'll even see it in a second, is probably Ephesians 5.10. And it basically says to us, we've said it a number of times, find out what pleases the Lord. Be intentional about it. I mean, most oftentimes we kind of take it for granted. We're not intentional at all. We just go about life and we think that we will somehow uh, gain what God wants through our lives, somehow through osmosis in some way. But we have to be intentional about it. Find out what pleases the Lord. Ask questions of things. Is this good for me to watch? Is this pleasing to the Lord? Should I wear this? Should I do that? Yeah, the, the sign of a mature Christian is somebody who is not waiting on somebody to tell them what's right and wrong. They are thinking, as a matter of fact, let me say this, you are, not, you are thinking above what's right and wrong. You are thinking, how may I please the Lord? The Bible says in Hebrews, uh, the, the 12th chapter, it says, and we lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. So when we talk about pleasing God, there are some things that we do and that we don't do that are not necessarily sin issues, but we filter everything through this lens. Is this pleasing to God? Does this bring glory to God? Let's look at a few passages together. Let's look at Titus 2. Let's read this together, everybody. The Bible says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to who, everybody? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. So basically that text is telling us right now, because of the grace of God, because God has been merciful to us, he has shown us himself, he has shown us his character. Now we have a responsibility to live right before him. And because of his grace, it teaches us step by step through every action to say no to ungodliness. No, I will not do this because it's not pleasing to God. The other aspect about this text is, is very, very clear. Um, not only are we motivated by God's grace and by God's love, but we ought to also be motivated by the fact that he's coming soon, too. <laughs> now, this is not a fear. This is not a fear thing. We're not afraid. Hopefully we're not. We should not be living in that kind of fear where we are afraid that we're going to be lost. So we do stuff not to go to hell or we do stuff to go to heaven. Heaven is not heaven if Jesus is not there. We are simply excited that finally the culmination of this marriage, the consummation of this marriage is going to happen where we're going to finally see Jesus face to face. And so in preparation for that, we are preparing our lives and living lives that are simply trying to get ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. One more. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pastor. First Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Yes. And do not cause anybody to stumble, whether yeah. Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. The basic point of this text is we are not only living to ourselves. In fact, the Bible even says we don't even live to ourselves, neither do we die to ourselves. If we live or we die, we die unto the Lord. But at the same time, we have an obligation to everyone that is around us, especially those that are even not of the household of faith. If we were to cause them to stumble, God lays that sin to our charge just as well. Yeah, so when we start talking about, you know, I have gotten, Pastor, I've gotten in so many arguments, so many discussions trying to argue people, you, you ought to do this, you ought to do that. But the Lord has matured me throughout this process. There's no need to argue. 
The issue is when you have a relationship with God, you're concerned about two things. You're concerned about your relationship with him. You want to do those things that please him. And then if you are a Christian, if you've been born again, you are concerned about other people. Paul says over and over again, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many. And one of the things that this has helped me with, Pastor, is sometimes we kind of get this individualistic mindset that simply says, if it ain't hurting nobody, you know, it ain't nobody's business what I do. Is it, is it okay for Christians to say that the way they live is none of their business? The answer is no. It's as simple as that. I think you said it best. Uh, we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but we do not have a private one. Somebody, amen, church. Somebody should be able to tell that we have a relationship with God by the way we move, by the way we act, by the way we talk, by some showing of our lives. Somebody should know, I can follow this brother and get to Christ. The Bible says, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works. Do y'all know this text? And that they might glorify your father in heaven. This is God's strategy. This is all he has. He's not coming back down here again except to take us back home to him. His strategy to save the world. Listen up, everybody. His strategy is you. He's hoping that, and you know, it's kind of like you, that's why you got to care that people are saved. You got to care because it's really God in you. People are going to look at your good works. They're going to look at your lifestyle and say, what is it about the way you, I mean, why do you live? Why is it that when you go through difficulty, you got your head up? How is it that you praise God through difficult times? Why is it that you're blessed the way you are? And we simply just point them right back to Jesus. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, you wouldn't think it would have, but has become a gray area in the church. I never shall forget when I first went to Andrews University. I grew up in a home where my mother would, I, would, I was not even allowed to change my, my church clothes until the sunset. I mean, I mean, I know about the Sabbath. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my mother would prepare food starting on Wednesday in preparation for Sabbath, the preparation day on Friday. Guarding the edges of the Sabbath. Guarding the edges of the Sabbath. I heard that all my life. I remember never forget when I went to Andrews, and I'm sure you probably had that same experience. I'm coming out of that context, and the first Sabbath, the first Sabbath I'm at Andrews, uh, our other brothers and sisters are outside playing uh, softball. Mm. And so for my context, I was just like, oh, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is like, is this having a school? What are y'all doing? <laughs> is anybody going to say anything about this? Where somebody call security. Listen, we got Sabbath breakers on campus. But one of the things I realized, especially going to Andrews and traveling, especially around the world, Pastor Coulson, everybody in the Seventh-day Adventist church keeps Sabbath differently which makes it, I would suggest, at least the how of Sabbath, it makes it a gray area. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's a gray area today. I was in California just a few weeks ago, and I noticed that a lot of the young people, they wore bathing suits under their clothes. Immediately, as soon as church is over, they're going to the beach already to throw the beach ball around and to have fun. And to me, it's almost shocking. I come from the conservative Bible Belt South, where we don't do any, as you said, Pastor, we don't take off our clothes. The food is prepared. I remember one time my father, when he first came into the church, got very upset with my mother because she was still cooking as it dawned upon the Sabbath day. Like, extremely upset. I've never seen him that upset in my life. And it seems to me today that we have an issue because there's a lot about the Sabbath that we say that is not necessarily in the Bible. So we have some questions to answer today. Sure. So we're not saying that the Sabbath is a gray area. What we're talking about is how does one observe, how does one keep the Sabbath? Let me just say this real quick for those of you who might be new to the Sabbath. The Sabbath does not start at 6 o'clock. 
The Bible says that the Sabbath begins from sunset to sunset. So when we're talking about Sabbath, we're talking about a 24 hour, 24 hour period of time that starts on sunset Friday. That means when it starts to get dark to sunset Saturday when it starts to get dark again. Everybody clear? It's a 24 hour period of time. Now, let me just hasten to say this. One of the reasons why, I guess, in, you know, even the early Adventists, they thought it started at 6 o'clock, and some people put times on it. You have to understand, when God created the world, when, and we'll get to this in a minute, when God created the world, there was no clocks. The only clock we had was the sun and the moon. That's it. And so time, chronology, was based on the setting and seasons of God. So Sabbath is not based on a man-made clock. The Sabbath is made on a God-given clock. And so the Sabbath comes in. It's amazing. It's interesting. It's amazing that, like, we know what time 12 o'clock starts. You know, I mean, it goes to 11.59, then it goes to 12. But isn't it interesting how God, talking about guarding the edges of the Sabbath, he, it, just, it doesn't get dark immediately. It gradually gets dark, and it gradually, go, it, it gradually begins to set as well, which shows us that God is encouraging us to make some kind of preparation for this day as we enjoy it. We're going to talk about that now. We want everybody to be clear on what we're talking about when we say the Sabbath. And we do believe that the Sabbath is the seventh day as the Word of God teaches. Hey, no doubt about that. All right? So let's get into this thing. We're going to have just a little bit of fun. How many of you guys are stressed? Just be honest. Raise your hand in the area. You're stressed by school. Uh, your husband is making you want to pull your hair out. Your kids are acting crazy. Everybody, in some way, shape, or form, we're stressed. Well, the majority of American society is stressed out. All right? And we're going to give you some statistics real quick. 43% or a little less than half of all adults suffer from adverse health effects from stress. Okay? Not from eating bad, not from not exercising. Most people, or a lot of people rather, suffer from health, bad health, simply because of stress. It tells you how powerful it is. Let me throw this out here real quick, Pastor. It's interesting. You know, of course, obviously, we're Seventh-day Adventists. We... We believe and we believe that God has given us a health message, a message that not only is God interested in our spiritual lives, he's also interested in our health lives as well. Amen, somebody. All right. The amazing thing is, I remember I got a, never shall forget, Pastor, I got a phone call from a former member of mine. I believe I shared this before. And uh, he had aught with me before I left. I did not know it. The only reason why I knew it is because he called me. And he called me while I was here in Cleveland. This happened about a year ago. And he said, Pastor Edmonds, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, actually his wife called and he says, my husband needs to talk to you. And so he gets on the phone. He said, pastor, um, I just need to apologize to you. And I was like, my brother, there's nothing to apologize about. How are you doing? How's your family? He said, no, I need to apologize. He said, pastor Edmonds, I've been holding this thing against you ever since you left because of something, blah, 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 blah. Now this guy is a health, he, he is a, I mean, I don't want to call him a fanatic, but he, I mean, this guy does not eat meat, cheese, eggs, dairy. He is plant-based. When I went to this church, they didn't even serve water during the meals because you're not supposed to eat and drink simultaneously. I mean, for real, this was a health-conscious church, and he was the ringleader of all the health-conscious people. I have high respect for his approach to health. So he called me. He said, listen, Pastor, one of the things I've learned, he said, I just had quadruple bypass surgery. He said, one of the things that the Lord showed me is that a carrot cannot overpower stress. He said, it doesn't matter how healthy you eat. He says, if you have stress and issues and unresolved problems in your life, he says, it doesn't matter how you eat. What pastor is saying through the study is simply this. Doctors are showing us now that people are sick more so because of stress than they are because of their diet and their exercise. Absolutely. And the bottom line is this. Stress can kill you, brothers and sisters. 
It can kill you. Your emotional health or your EQ is just as important as your physical health right now or your mental stability, all right? Two-thirds of all doctors' visits are due to stress-related symptoms. The majority of the time when people go to the doctor, it's not because they're eating bad or they're not exercising correctly. It's mostly their symptoms are being produced simply because they have stress in their lives or unresolved issues. And that's one of the reasons sometimes you'll go to the physician and you know there's something wrong with you and they're testing, 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 and they can't come up with anything to figure out what's wrong with you. And one of the things this shows is I, I strongly encourage you to uh, pick up anything written by a, a, a doctor named Dr. Don Colbert. Dr. Don Colbert is very instrumental in and taking health and connecting it with our, our spiritual state as well as our, our spiritual state with our physical state. And one of the things we realize is people are going to the doctors, they're, fine, they're, they're getting tested, the doctors have no answer for them, and what this is simply telling us is that you've got to check not only your physical body, you've got to check your emotional, your spiritual body to find out really what's going on. All right? Suicide is currently the second leading cause of death of college students. If anybody's stressed out, it's college students, brothers and sisters, all right? They have tests, they have exams, they have uh, midterms, they have all kind of tests that they need to complete. At the end of the day, a lot of college students are contemplating or either committing suicide because of simply being in the atmosphere of stress. I know it full well. Now, I'm a little different, different person. When I was in school, especially at Andrews, I don't let nobody stress me out. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't worry about stuff. If I have an exam that I have to do or I have a paper that's due, I will do the best I can, and I'm taking my behind to sleep. Amen. No, that's what I do. I'm not, I don't let people stress me out. I just, cool, calm, and collective the whole way. Don't let people stress me out. And and to some extent, you kind of have to be that way. Even Paul says, whatever situation I find myself in, I've learned to be content. If you don't, you will have stress in your life, and that thing can kill you. All right? Yeah, my son came home, and he was telling me, even in our schools, I mean, little kids now are saying, I want to kill myself. I mean, I mean, the suicide thing is almost gaining uh, a level of popularity. This is the way out. We're seeing more and more of it. And the bottom line is people are overwhelmed. They're stressed by life. All right. Many of us. Oh, this is good. <laughs> many of us are one. How many? Traumatic event from snapping. I say it all the time. You don't even know who you are. What's that? A half a, a half of a, a half a traumatic event. event. From snapping or doing something crazy. By and large, a lot of the, let's say, the serial killers or the bombers or the arsonists, mostly they are the people who keep to themselves. They are very secluded. They don't share their issues with anybody. Their stress level is extremely high, whether because they've been bullied, they don't have approval, they're not being affirmed enough or whatever. By and large, every serial killer or every bomber that we see, they keep to themselves. And because they do not listen, the person that you have to watch out for the most is the quiet people. (laughs) Pastor Coulson, that's you. Yeah, that is me. That is me. I... (laughs) <laughs> Admittedly, it is me. Thankfully, I have the Lord in my life. I'm very scared. So, right now. Um, very scared. You're safe, church. You're pray, safe. Pray, pray for this man, of God. <laughs> let me, hey, let me yeah. say, let me say this real quick. Um, you know, and, and when we say snap, I mean, I know there's a television show about it. You know, and it's generally the most extreme situation. A wife, I mean, like Jody Arias, you know, who's in the news right now. I mean, her whole argument is, I snapped. You know, he was abusing me. I snapped and I killed him. Uh, Lorena Bobbitt. You know. <laughs> All, none, of, none of the men here will ever forget her. Uh, she snapped. Y'all better be careful the way y'all treat women. I'm telling you that right now. Yo, so one of the things I'm seeing, though, is we always look at snapped on that level. But many of y'all, many of us, me, we snap all day long. 
Many of us fuss, 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 snap, snap, snap. We're angry about stuff, and we don't even know why we're angry. We're stressed about stuff. We don't know why we're stressed. And especially brothers, they say that the, 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 the highest reported cases of depression are women, but the highest number of suicides are men. The issue is that men don't talk to nobody. Men won't get help. Men, men, men love to have jokey joke relationships with each other, but men will not get beneath the surface. And a lot of brothers, a lot of brothers are really dealing with serious stress issues and you're not far from snapping. You're not far from snapping simply because you have nobody to talk to and you won't even bring these things to the Lord in prayer. That's right. Look at this. So because all of us are stressed, especially in this society or the majority of us, we're popping pills. In other words, we are self-medicating ourselves. Whenever people are going through stress, whenever they are having hard times, especially in poverty-stricken areas, what happens with people is that they immediately start to seek out social vices. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, whatever it is, because they are going through whatever, maybe because they don't have enough money, they're not financially secure, uh, college students having too many exams, whatever reason they are stressed out for, people usually try to self-medicate themselves. Yeah, the, uh, the book that we were looking at, Dr. Brene Brown, when you get a chance, check her out. But one of the things she says is that this day and age in the United States is the, is the most overly self-medicated generation in Earth's history. And so we, we, we self-medicate on, on prescription pills, on alcohol. Let me say this. I know we never got a chance to talk about alcohol. But one of the reasons why we as Seventh-day Adventists believe as a principle that we do not, that we avoid drinking alcohol, number one, is because we believe that we're a witness. But the, the main reason is this. When you are interested in being spirit-filled, I said spirit-filled. The Bible says, it says, it says, don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So some people say to me, well, Pastor, I don't get drunk. I just, you know, I just socially drink. Okay, that's cool. But the minute you let, I don't care how much tolerance you have, the minute you let alcohol into your system, you have allowed a mind-altering substance into your body. The only altering substance that a Christian should want in their body, the only way that you should want to relax and to let off some steam and to and sort of just get into yourself, there's, there's, there's a solution for that. And his name is Jesus. It's the whole the Holy Spirit wants to do the job that many medications and overeating. Many of us eat too much. How many of you guys eat too much? How many of you guys eat when you're bored? Come on now. Everybody, everybody's eat. How many of you eat when you're stressed? Just eat for no reason all day long. Yeah, yeah. Our society does that, which is why we are probably, I believe we still are, the most obese society in the world today. All right? Self-medicating through food as well. All right. We're also swimming and drowning in credit card debt. Self-medicating. Right? Self-medicating. Some people are addicted. Retail, retail addicts, I believe you call it, or shopping addicts. They go to the store to buy something to make themselves feel better because of the problems that they're dealing with. I just saw it on TV the other day. Uh, I don't know. I was watching the Sheards and 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 Kiera, or one of them, and so she was just saying that you know she you know her and her mom they were kind of stressed. So what did they say they were going to do? Let's go out and go shopping because you know if we go shopping it kind of makes us feel better. And so thus. Many of us use these things that God wants. God wants the place of. We're using these things to self-medicate. Let me say this real quick, Pastor. I was also reading in the same, uh, uh, she's a social worker, and one of the things she was saying was, is she says, you cannot selectively numb. So watch this now. Some people will eat so that they can numb feelings of depression. If I'm depressed, I'm going to eat. 
So one of the things that psychologists say is you can't selectively numb. So what does it say is if I'm eating because I'm dealing with depression, what that's also going to do is that's going to eliminate joy from my life. So when you try to cover one issue, it actually your body is designed that you cover all your issues. It is impossible to have joy when you're trying to self-medicate issues like stress. You can't do it. Only Jesus can provide that. And just to be fair, a lot of the things that we use to self-medicate ourselves, they do work because they give us an immediate response. Amen. Right. If you smoke or you drink, it's a depressant. It calms you down. It brings you down. And so most people self-medicate themselves because they get a response immediately rather than waiting on the Lord to, or Jesus or the Holy Spirit to do his progressive work. All right. The next thing is busyness. Some of us just keep running and running and running to, and we self-medicate through activity. Now, when we're saying self-medicate, we're simply saying we're trying to avoid, we're trying to avoid, we're pill suicide, we're trying to avoid this. Now, Pastor, jump off on this, but I'm going to tell you right now, one of the most difficult spiritual disciplines for me is to just to be still. I'm not talking about being still and watching TV. I'm talking about being still, being quiet, meditating, listening to God. I mean, it's easier to read the Bible than it is, and it's easier to ask God for stuff than it is to just simply sit and say, I'm a, I ain't going to move until you speak to me. Yeah, I think the bottom line is, this, I think you said it before, many of us are uncomfortable in the presence of God. Yes. Let, every, let the church say amen. Not in church, in his presence. In his presence. Yeah. We are very uncomfortable with being still, seeking God, and because we've almost created a habit of being busy, 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 doing this and doing that, taking care. Some of you, you're the person that everybody calls on when they're in trouble. Everybody calls on you. They don't call nobody else, but they call your phone when they need something, and people will use you, use you, use you, use you, use you. You don't even know how to be quiet and how to be still. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, the Sabbath day, and I may be jumping a little ahead here, but for me... When the Sabbath day begins to dawn, I don't know, maybe it's the habit that my parents have put into me. I feel a, 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 a desire to be still. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. I don't know why, but I don't have the desire to watch TV anymore. I, 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 I kid you not, I have no idea what it is. But when the Sabbath day begins to roll around, dude, I just want to be quiet and just and think for a moment. And reflect on my life. Think about the week and what I have to do. I just want to relax in the presence of God. And there's no other day that does that to me other than Friday night. I have no idea what it is. The Bible says, be still and know that he is God. God connects knowing him with stillness. One of the things we look at from the life of Christ. And if we are Christians, that means we are, we are espousing. We are, we, are, we are trying to imitate the life of Christ. I'm just amazed. Jesus was God. But your boy Jesus would sometimes spend whole nights in stillness. That's right. Pray. I mean, daily he would get up in stillness. I love what Desire of Ages says. It says every day he would get up and just wait for his father to talk. And that his father would tell him every detail of the day. You're going to heal this person at 5 o'clock. Then I want you to go over here to Capernaum at 4.30. And then I want you to come back to the other side. There's a woman with the issue of blood. I mean, his, but he got his power was based on his private life. Oh, thank you, God. There was something about having a private life with God where God is able to pour into you. I mean, I, this thing didn't mean anything to me when I, when I didn't really know the Lord. But now as I'm beginning to know him, I'm starting to love being in his presence and just speaking and talking and pouring into me. And here's the thing. Deep calls to deep. Yes. 
If you have God in you, <laughs> brothers, I don't even know how else to say it. But when the Sabbath day rolls around, it is almost as if God is calling me yes. to his presence. Yes. I have no idea what it is. But deep calls too deep. And, and we're not going to over-legislate today. One of the tendencies that we at the church try to do is we try to tell people everything that they should do. Now, there is a place for education, right? But there is no place for legalism. See, and I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself either, Pastor. But the Sabbath doesn't mean anything if it's disconnected from relationship. All right? And we're going to try to talk more about this as we get further in this thing. But understand this now. The presence of God is always coveted by people that are in relationship with him. Let's keep it moving. The Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath. All right. Genesis 2. Go ahead. So first and foremost, we want to show you that the Sabbath is biblical. All right. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. This is the beginning. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. He had finished the what? He had been doing. So on the seventh day, he what? From all his work. (laughs) Then God what? The seventh day and made it what? Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. All right. So here it is. God had created the entire world. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars, the fish, the birds of the air. And he, then he even created us. But then for some strange and odd reason, God decides that on the seventh day, he's going to stop working. He's going to stop creating. And God is going to rest. Does God need to rest? The Bible says in uh, Psalms 121, he does not slumber, nor does he sleep. God does not need to rest. But for some odd reason, God picks a day, the seventh day of the week, the last day of the week. He does nothing and he rests at that point. And then he blessed the day and set it apart. Yeah, yeah. uh, Here's the the powerful thing that I've been, and I'm, I'm still not, I haven't still broken this thing all the way down. But the Sabbath was not created for sinners. When God created Sabbath, there was no sin. God's intention for Sabbath was for perfect people. But even Adam and Eve in their perfection. Now watch this, guys. They they didn't have a Bible. They didn't need to pray because they had unlimited access to the presence of... Listen, understand this now. When Adam and Eve were created, Carl... They watched, they talked to God face to face every day. And so the question I was trying to ask myself, I said, God, help me now. If they saw you face to face every day, if they had unlimited access to you, there was no sin to separate them from you. Why would they need a Sabbath to spend time with you if they're already with you every day? Good question, Doc. Why? And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It has nothing to do with Adam and Eve. It has everything to do with God. God is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of it. He is, he is so, this is not the best word, but it's the only one I can, I can conjure up right now. He is so in love with us. I was going to say desperate, but God gave it to me. He is so in love with us. He's like, look, I'll let you have six days where you can get some stuff done. I'm not possessive. Do your thing. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your job. Enjoy your purpose. But check this out. And guess what, Adam and Eve? You can see me face to face. I'm not hiding any of my glory from you. But I still want a day. 
I still want a day where I have you all to myself. And I can only imagine that Adam and Eve must have been blown away by that. They have no sin in them, right? If they have no sin, then they're not like us where they're like, oh, do I got to spend time with him all day? They got a chance to spend time with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is an awesome thing. He wants to be with us. And I guess the real question is, if Adam and Eve did not need the Sabbath because they did not have sin specifically at that point, how much more do we need the Sabbath now after sin and having such busy and reckless lives today? So the Bible is telling us that the Sabbath day is an invitation to us to stop. And we'll get to the fourth commandment in just one second. All right. So here we go. We're going to tell you what the world thinks of the Sabbath. All right, get the video ready, media team. Uh, these are, these are I, I'm going to call them opposing views, but these are, this, is what, this is what people say about the Sabbath. We're going to pull that up in a second. While they're getting that ready, um, uh, are, we, are we almost there? Okay. All right, hey, it's Pastor Colson. Are you the video? <laughs> Here we go. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? <laughs> I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord... All right, so check this out. Has anybody ever gotten that before? Y'all know what that's from. That's from Family Guy. All right. That's, that was actually on Family Guy. It's amazing. But there is this reaction from the world where they're like, what? Huh? Saturday? Sabbath? What? Are you crazy? I mean, we get that reaction. Go ahead. Yeah, we get that reaction. But it's so funny because, as the guy said, we believe basically the same things that everybody else believes. It's a Sabbath day. It seems to be some crazy, weird idea that they cannot get with. It's funny. All right, here's the next uh, video we want to show you about another thought process about the Sabbath. Um. <laughs> so what path or religion are you mm-hmm. in your pursuit of Perfection with God. What, 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 what are um, you? I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. Okay, and what does um, that mean? Seventh-day Adventist is a Christian denomination, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we believe is observing the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from a young child, you know, being brought up, I was always brought up with Sabbath observance. So Friday night sundown, Saturday night sundown, as mentioned in the Ten Commandments, remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Uh, and then also Jesus uh, observed Sabbath as well. Yeah. So it's one day where I don't check my emails, I don't respond to work calls, I don't read from Friday night, Friday night, Sunday sundown to Saturday night, Sunday. Yeah. No work. You don't check your emails. No. That's like, a, there's a that's, a, that's like against the commandment of Hollywood that thou shalt carry thy Blackberry at all times. But you know what? Here's a good yes. thing. When you set boundaries. Yeah. 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 Up front. Up front. Here's what my commitment is. So we all agree. I love this. Before we even Devon. take the job or go yeah. down the road. Yeah. Here's a commitment. Yeah. Are we all agreeing this is okay? Mm-hmm. So then all I have to do is just make sure I keep the commitment. Yeah. Because the moment I break it yes. is the moment they realize, oh, well, he wasn't that serious. Mm-hmm. But for me, Sabbath is a time to recharge. It's a time to rest. It's a time to spend time with my family. Uh, it's a time to spiritually reconnect. 
I'll never still forget, Devon, Devon was here, for those of you who don't know, that's Devon Franklin. Uh, he's married to... Uh, Megan Good. Megan Good. Uh, he is a... He, he is, he's, he's probably best known for his producing work with Will Smith. Just about every project Will Smith does, Devon is a producer for that. And I never still forget when Devon was here, and if you read his book, he's talking about how he was on the set for Karate Kid. And at the beginning of his book, he's on the set for Karate Kid, the sun in China, in Beijing, and the sun begins to set. And they are like two weeks behind in filming for the movie. And there's much pressure on him to get this thing done. And so Devon says, as the sun begins to set, he says, all right, we're done for the day. And people are looking around like, you know, what's up? He's like, remember, it's my Sabbath. He jumps in a cab. He goes back to his hotel and he decompresses. And one of the things he said is he says, nobody tripped when he left because he had already given them an example that this was something that was valuable to him. He is an example of somebody who shuts it down. What do we gain from this video, Pastor? Yeah, I think. First of all, Devon Franklin gives an awesome response, okay? A very good response about the Sabbath. And notice as he's talking, Oprah is like bewildered. She's like, wow, I love that. You know, I never even thought of that before. And the truth of the matter is the world doesn't really think on these these terms. Uh, The whole trend of American society is to work, 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 progress, 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 go as high as you can, do whatever you have to do to get what you need or to get where you want to get. And Devon is saying, listen, I'm at he's at the top right now, I would say. And he's taking one day out of seven to rest and to just get himself readjusted. We're going to illustrate that in a moment. Yeah. You see the two philosophies. There's one where people are like, that's weird. And then there's a great population. And I'm telling we're going to show you now how it's increasing. Check this out, guys. People are saying, man, a Sabbath? For real? I want that. As a matter of fact, you keep watching the video, Oprah's like, yo, I didn't even know. Are you serious? This is what you do? I mean, some people debate whether she knew or not. It doesn't matter to me. But that's a major stage for people to talk about the Sabbath. And know this, people want the Sabbath. I was just uh, reading, I was telling Pastor Coatsum, there's this major multi-billion dollar designer. He's not a Christian. He does not believe in God whatsoever, but he accepts the Sabbath because he likes the idea of pausing one day out of seven just so that he can replenish himself. And he's found that he has been more effective in his business when he works six days instead of seven. But yet some of us. Let's keep it moving. All right, here we go. So the Sabbath day is not only spiritual and biblical. The Sabbath is natural as well. For all of our medical professionals that are in the audience today, this is going to interest you a whole lot. All right? Sabbath is God's original prescription. Prescription is like a medical term for something you give to somebody when they're what? Sick. Sabbath is God's original prescription for allowing his people to enjoy optimum health, spirituality, and longevity. All right? Chronobiology circa septum. I hope I said that thing right. Yeah, chronobiology is a new study of science that studies the rhythms of life. All right? So the word circa means about, and septum means seven. Now, circum septum simply means this, that our bodies and our natural ecosystem, our world, our universe, this is amazing to me. God is so thoughtful. Every molecule, every atom, every cell is based off chronobiology and a circa septum. Worldly scientists are discovering that the whole environment is based on the number seven. 
everything in our lives revolves around a seven-day system, so to speak. Yes. All right? We as humans operate under the cadence of a seven-day week. A cycle of human activity that doesn't even allow the cosmic timing of the stars, the sun, or the moon. It seems that all life, how much of life, moves in seven-day rhythms. This is amazing. These cycles are known as biological rhythms. In other words, they're natural. We are born with it. Research has uncovered many conditions about us humans that seem to rise and fall in seven-day cycles. Get this. They include heartbeat. Blood pressure, body temperature, hormone levels, acid content in blood, red blood cell count, oral temperature, female breast temperature, urine chemistry and volume, the ratio between two important neurotransmitters, neuroepinephrine and epinephrine, and flow of several body chemicals such as the stress coping hormone cortisol. We just talked about stress. Even the common cold is circa septum or revolves around a seven-day period. Doctors have long observed that The response to malaria infection and pneumonia crises peaks at seven days. Chicken pox symptoms, a high fever and small red spots usually appear almost exactly two weeks after exposure to an illness. A person will tend to have an increase in swelling on the seventh and then the 14th day after surgery. Also, circumcision was commanded by God to be done on the eighth day or the week after. And we discovered in our research that the reason God said that a a, a baby should be circumcised on the eighth day is because on the eighth day or after seven days, a a, a chemical called, uh, I think, prothrombin, maybe I'm not pronouncing that right, is produced in the body. It's at its maximum at that point so that the blood can clot. So God is saying this is the most optimum time for you to do this. And if I were to back up on this quote, you'll recognize that blood pressure is regulated in seven days. The way you breathe. I mean, that's everything you need to live is regulated in seven days. God knows what he's doing. Yeah. Let me tell you actually what's happening. Because what it's saying is people generally when there's a virus or something or something alien in your body, it's not until seven days later that, that you begin to see manifestations of sickness. Now, most of us think sickness is bad, but sickness is simply your immune system trying to heal you. God set up the whole world and system to begin healing itself on the seventh day. So that's going to give us some perspective from a scientific viewpoint of why God designed the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about restoration. The Sabbath is about healing. And it's not just in the Bible. It's in the system of the world. It's in the universe. God set that thing up this way. All right. So it is a blessing for us. So here we go. We're going to help you today with the illustration. And we pray you're blessed by this thing. Brothers and sisters, what is this? Is it really a box? Deshay, if I were to give this to you, what would you call it? A gift. But is it really a gift? No. As a matter of fact, you were right at first. This is simply a box. The gift is whatever is inside this box. Oh, man. Here we go. Here we go. You better preach. This box represents the Sabbath. The Sabbath, brothers and sisters, is simply a container. It's not the gift. It's not the gift. Oh, no, 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 no. Drop box. Don't drop. Here we go. So this box, most of us, especially as Adventists or legalists, we have made the Sabbath day very legalistic. And so we know from this box that on the Sabbath day, uh, some people say you're not to take showers on the Sabbath. How many of you agree with that? 
You've heard that before, though, right? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pray, pray for them. No putting gas in the car on the Sabbath day? Come on, y'all. Amen. Y'all noticed you heard it before. No yard work, don't mow your lawn, don't weed eat, don't take care of anything. Oh, man, this is a good one. Definitely no buying and selling, okay? No going to the store, no selling anything. Oh, you're not supposed to go to work and make money on the Sabbath day because the Bible is against that. You, amen. Mm. No traveling on the Sabbath day. Oh, man. No real <laughs> manual labor or service to anybody on the Sabbath day. Oh, I love this one. No fun on the Sabbath day. Don't have any fun. That's against God's law. No smiling. No smiling. No smiling. No entertainment at all. No TV whatsoever. Don't watch any movies. Oh, man. Don't allow the kids to go outside and play. No playing on the Sabbath day. That's wrong. I know that to be true. I come from the South. There's no cleaning on the Sabbath day. If you're really keeping the Sabbath day, Pastor, you'll guard the edge of the Sabbath and your house will be clean by Thursday. Am I right? Okay. No cooking on the Sabbath day. Do you don't do not even boil water on the Sabbath day. That's against God's law. And finally, of course, no secular music whatsoever on the Sabbath day. You know, I just I just forgot we, we forgot one of the major ones. We forgot one of the major ones. No sex on Sabbath. No sex. I'm sure it's somewhere in here, Pastor. Yeah, 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 yeah. We pretend it's no sex. No sex, brothers and sisters. So. This box now, after I have taken everything out of it, there is nothing in this box. And for me to witness to somebody about the Sabbath day, people are wondering after all the rules and regulations that we give them, well, what is the gift? And where is it? The box is simply filled of thou shalt not, do not do this, and do not do that, but what what is the gift? What's the benefit? What is the benefit of the Sabbath day? Pastor, I'm tagging you in. Yeah, you know, um, the second, the other extreme to the Sabbath, and by the way, Pastor, you know, you kind of just, this, this, is, this is the gift that we give them. We just, we just, give, we just give them all that. All the don'ts. And nobody wants that. Then there's another group of us, on the other hand, where, where we, um, all we do is sleep on Sabbath. Oh no. Oh no. We come, we come. I mean, Sabbath Sabbath for us is two hours of church and then it's off to sleep. Friday night don't even count. That's right. And then we we pay our bills on Sabbath. Y'all know y'all got to do that. And don't judge me, Pastor, but I got to run some errands on the Sabbath. It's the only day I got off. You understand that? And, 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 you know, I'm going to go to the movies, uh, you know, on today because I want to spend time with family. Isn't the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a day about family. And, and then the other extreme also is, you know, I'm just going to, since I can't go nowhere, Pastor, I'm just going to be on Facebook, Twitter. I'm going to check, forget Devon Franklin. I need to check my email, no matter who it's from. All right? By the way, I mean, your boy shuts his phone off. He goes rogue. Uh, yard work. Um, listen, God wants us in nature. <laughs> he wants us in nature, man. Absolutely. I mean, the, one of the laws of health is fresh air, my brother. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Let's, Let's put, put that in the gift, gift as well. And, and what else are we going to put in the box? Look, man, you don't know. My son is an All-American. Help us, Lord. He is an All-American basketball player. He can go to the league. He can be the next Tim Tebow. He can't really go to the league. Listen, he can be the next Tim Tebow. You don't understand. He needs to play. He's got to play. He's got to play. Let's put this in the, in the box as well. 
And uh, did you know that there's, there's a prom today? There's a prom, there's a prom last night, there's a prom today. Pastor, you don't understand, I've been waiting all my life for this, all right? It's all good, Pastor. We, I'm going to pray when I'm there. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to testify of his goodness on his Sabbath. The, the God said the Sabbath is not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. I got to help somebody. Amen. And uh, you just don't understand. I'm going to take Tuesday as my Sabbath this week because I got a lot of work to do on today. I got to catch up. And God wants me to pay my bills. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I didn't have no time to prepare. And so I'm just, you know, every week. I mean, breakfast. I'm going, I'm going out for breakfast. And then I'm going for lunch. And I'm going for dinner. And I'm going to put this in the box as well. And, and I'm also, listen, Doc, I got some scheduled demands. This test. God put me in school. He wants me to pass. I've got to pass this test. I'm going to stay home today and rest. But while I'm resting, I'm going to study as well. But I'm going to look at my Bible while I'm studying so that God can be well. I'm going to pray too. Oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. On the Sabbath day. And so what ends up happening is, and, and listen now, we're not going to regulate. Don't stop looking for us to tell you if we're saying is it right or wrong. We're just taking stuff that people commonly do on, or don't do on Sabbath. And we're just telling you this is what has become of, of the box. The box is so full of activity that when it's time to put Jesus in there. Help us, Lord. Jesus gets lost in the clutter. inside the clutter of the Sabbath. And so it is that God designed this thing so that it could be none of this. He wants the gift to be Jesus. But sometimes we are so cluttered with activity, church, church responsibilities. That we never get a chance to spend time with the real gift of Sabbath. Right. Sabbath is just a box. Right. But the gift of Sabbath is unlimited time with Jesus. Right. I love that song by Lorna Harris. He says, I miss my time with you. Those moments together. I want to be with you each day, but you hurt me when you say you are too busy. We have made the Sabbath day the gift itself, and because we have made it that, and the Sabbath day, you know, it is a blessing. I guess we can say, in a sense, the Sabbath day is a gift. It is holy. It is separated from God. But the real gift of the Sabbath day is being able to spend time with Jesus Christ because all throughout the week, God has got to find a way to carve himself into your life throughout all the clutter that you have, all the music that you're listening to, the stuff that you have to do on your job. God, as they say, can't get a word in edgewise. And so he's hoping that if he sets a day aside, if you come to church at least or read your Bible or do something, maybe, just maybe, you'll hear some word from him and you'll be motivated to spend time with him. Yeah, one of the things I'm just learning um, is that when you are in relationship with somebody, and this takes us to our, to our next point. When you are in relationship with somebody, you want to be with them. You don't want anything competing with that. Now, so first we get Sabbath before there's sin. Then after years of sin, God has to come and say to us, remember. And we can see why many of us need to remember. And the Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 8, we all know this very well, probably can quote it by heart. Remember the Sabbath day. Starts off by saying, remember the Sabbath day. They must have forgot by keeping it holy. Verse 9 says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on what day, everybody? 
The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, sorry. Neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male, nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreign resident, re- foreigner residing in your towns. Verse 11. For, uh, uh, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What, is it, what does the word holy mean? Mm-hmm. I got a better word for you. It means special. When God says, be ye therefore holy as I am holy, it's simply a reference to God's character. Holiness refers to God's character, and God's character is love. Holiness is simply, you are set aside, you are different, you are separate. And so the Sabbath, the word Shabbat, simply means to rest from what you normally do. To rest from, so whatever your normal is, Six days a week, you ought to have a new normal on the Sabbath. All right? And what most many Hebrews and Jews say to one another is Shabbat Shalom. Peace to you on this day. Find stillness. Find peace on this day. And let me just add this in here real quick. Uh, Many churches that I've been to, we recite the fourth commandment as our affirmation of faith. And brothers and sisters, I will stand by this with my life. The fourth commandment is not our affirmation of faith. John 3.16, if any text should be, is our affirmation of faith. Our faith is not in the Sabbath day. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You can keep the Sabbath all you want, but if you do not have Jesus, you will not be saved. And I think this is the point we're making. This is why the Sabbath is not special. Because Jesus is not special to us. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you are on, whether you are, whether you are filling up the Sabbath with a bunch of rules or whether you're filling it up with a bunch of activity that you want to do. The issue is this. If the Sabbath is simply the conduit, the box to spend time with God. Remember, let's go back. God is saying this is an invitation from God. He's saying, I want to be with you. Uh, the, I love using this illustration. It's about that. that I love this movie, by the way. And I, I'm a guy. I admit I like this chick flick. I like it too. Really good. I like it too. So, so, it, it was really, really, really good. Really, 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 really good. Uh, I cried a little bit on it. Okay. I didn't okay. cry. But okay. okay. Yes, you did. You're like. We see. That's because I'm in love, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know the story. The story of the Notebook is about an elderly couple, and they're telling a story about how they fell in love, and and all the details of their relationship, how they went back and forth, how they were separated from each other, how she went married, was about to marry somebody else, and, and how he wrote letters to her, and she never got the letters. And so now that they are married, they're telling the story in hindsight, and he's sitting inside, I guess, an assisted uh, living facility, and the woman has dementia or, or, or some kind of uh, amnesia, I'm not sure what it is, Alzheimer's or something of that nature. And so uh, when he goes in to see his wife, his wife does not even know who he is. She has no idea who he is. But the minute he opens up the notebook and he starts reading to her the story of how they fell in love, y'all remember, right? For a split second, she remembers, she remembers, uh, are we good? We good? We get another one? All right, you going to turn this one? Well, that, my, my. They all? Uh, uh, let's try that one over there. <laughs> Man, 
messed up my illustration, man. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, she remembers, right? So here's the thing. Here's the bottom line. In our normal six days a week, let's just face it, especially as sinners, I don't care how spiritual you are, we worship God every day. Don't get mad at people when we say, I worship God every day. We ought to worship God every day. You're supposed to worship God. The Sabbath, if you look at the text, the Bible does not say that the Sabbath was created for worship. <laughs> you know why? Because if God would have said that, then you would have only worshipped him one day out of the week. Sad thing is, that's what most of us do. Most of us only really connect with God one day a week. But because God knew that, God says, listen, you spend time with me throughout the week, but you're going to forget. You're going to forget me. Yes, you are. I don't care how deep you are. You're going to forget me. So let me have a moment where I can read from the notebook of my salvation story and give you 24 hours where I can remind you of who you are. Absolutely. So here we go. The Sabbath day teaches us both about rest and about work. Now, here's the thing. Look at the text. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days, you shall labor and do all your work. Now, why do you think God says that? Because, brothers and sisters, you cannot have an appreciation for the Sabbath day if you ain't doing no work anyway. If you got false Sabbaths for six days of the week, the Sabbath ain't going to mean much to you on the seventh day of the week when you're really supposed to be resting. And notice if you watch the story of creation and you read the story, notice God did not rest until he had created everything. He had finished working. Then he took his time, looked back over the week and said it is very good. And then the Bible said God rested. Adam was a working man as well. He was a BMW, a black man working. Okay. Mercy. And on the seventh day, he rested as well. God is trying to tell us that the Sabbath day is both about rest and it's about industry as well. For six days, God wants you to work on your life. Yes. Amen, church. God wants you to develop and to grow and to produce and to replenish and to do work as much as you possibly can. But God says also on the seventh day, I want you to look back over what you've done. Yes. See if it's good. Reflect a little bit. Think about that thing and then prepare for the next week. Praise the Lord. And, and, and it's amazing. You also said yesterday, Pastor, that it, it, when you are industrious, when you are and not just working your job, when you are about purpose. When you have pursued purpose all week, you want to look back on that thing and say, look at what God has done. But the Sabbath also causes you to look forward and say, look at what God is going to do this week. Amen. That's why I love that God knew how to place that thing. Thank God it's not on Tuesday. Amen. Next. uh, It says, if Jesus is the standard for the Sabbath. Now, that's if. First of all, we got to receive that. Jesus is our example. Would you say amen to that? All right, if he is the standard for living, then he is also the standard for how to keep Sabbath, right? All right, so Christ is your example. Our question to you today is, are you keeping the Sabbath like Jesus? Good question. I ain't asked you what your convictions are. Let's talk about Jesus now. Look at Jesus. I understand what the red books say. Don't get me wrong on that. I get it. But I want to know, have you looked at how Jesus kept the Sabbath? And is, and is your life anywhere congruent to what Jesus did? Let's find out how Jesus, what, I'm sorry, what Jesus did with the Sabbath. Go ahead, Pastor. Back up one. The issue of Sabbath keeping with Jesus 
was never about if we should keep the Sabbath. That's, that, that is clear. We just read the text to you in the Ten Commandments. We should keep the Sabbath. It was never about when, no matter how many times people try to argue about when the Sabbath is. It's never going to change. It's the seventh day of the week. Would you say amen? The question now for us is how? How are we to keep the Sabbath? And so for that, we look to the life of Jesus. We don't want to assume anything. We're going to go right to the word. All right? Jesus and Sabbath keeping. Five significant Sabbath keeping statements of Jesus. Number one. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath, which means that Christ sets the tone for Sabbath keeping. You don't set the tone. Ah, Lord. The Adventist church does not set the tone. The pastors do not set the tone. Christ sets the tone for how we ought to keep the Sabbath. It's beautiful. Let's go to the next one. The Sabbath, the other thing Jesus said, same passage as, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was designed for man's benefit. It's only in Christ that you can appreciate the Sabbath. If Christ is not in the Sabbath, then you do not see it as a benefit. Like when I was a kid, I hated Sabbath. When I heard that the sun was going to set, I used to weep tears. Like, I mean, I cannot believe it's about to be Sabbath. I ain't going to be able to do nothing. But when you realize that this thing is about the lover of your soul, you start realizing it's for your benefit. It's made for you. Okay. Number three. Therefore, Jesus says this. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. Some of us have so many thou shalt nots and don't do this and don't do that. We can't be. We're so heavenly minded. We are of no earthly good to anybody on the Sabbath day. Jesus says we should be doing good. The existence of the Sabbath is for the uplifting of humanity. Somebody's broken down on the side of the road. Don't you say, but the Lord says I shouldn't work. If you can help them, help them out. Amen. Amen. Somebody needs a book bag. Give it to him. Here we go. Number four, go ahead. Have mercy. Interestingly enough, when you study the life of Christ, there are, I believe, I believe there are some 30 recorded healings of Jesus in the Gospels. Just a little bit of over 30. Out, out of the 30, one third of his healings that are recorded were all recorded on the Sabbath. And watch this now. It means, one of the things people say is, well, you know, if it's just right in front of me, like the man on, in the ditch on the side of the road. I, I mean, I can't just walk past him. I got to do something. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just like, Jesus went looking for people to help. When he got up on Sabbath morning, he was saying, who can I bless today? I'm going to look for somebody to help. It wasn't like, I mean, just accidentally somebody just fell dead in front of him, so he had to heal them. No, Jesus shows us that the Sabbath is about healing and ministry. All right? So the work of redemption, restoration never stops. We rest on the Sabbath while Jesus works on us. You didn't catch that. We work six days a week, and then we rest on the seventh. God works on us, especially on the seventh day. And the Bible says God does not stop working. I praise God that he does. Yes, Lord. All right. Number Number five. five. The Bible says, and we're going to get into this now, be set free on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is not a day of imprisonment. Can I get a witness in here? Thank you, Lord. Uh, It is a day to be set free. Released from the world, the power of sin and cares of this life. Well, Pastor Coxon gets into uh, this passage of scripture. You know, when I was at, uh, just for married folk right here, when I was at the seminary, uh, can I, can I? When I was at seminary, we have a, we have a, we have a, a scholar there, man. He is an expert, man, in, in the Hebrew. I mean, this guy, I mean, this dude is a beast. 
His name is uh, Richard Davidson. And Richard Davidson said, it was customary in biblical days that when the Sabbath came in, that the husband would take his Bible and begin to read to his wife on his knees from the book Songs of Solomon. Hallelujah. Hey, glory. Hallelujah. Uh, can't nobody talk to me in here. I'll shout for you because I know you can't shout for yourself. All I got to say is, is that the Sabbath is a day to be free. Come on in here, somebody. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Be free. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to Luke 13. Let's end with this. Yeah. yeah. So here's the text in the Bible that uh, pretty much sum up everything for us. Luke 13, verse 10. On a Sabbath, on a what? Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And by the way, the Bible says, as was Jesus' custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Verse 11, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. And I want to get this part, and I'll say something. She was bent over and could not straighten herself up at all. Now, what I want you to notice about this text is the Sabbath day, Jesus is in the church, in the synagogue. He sees a woman there who has been crippled. She has not been crippled by a disease. Mm -hmm. The Bible says she's been crippled by a spirit <laughs> for 18 years. For the better part of two decades, she has been crippled by a spirit. The Bible says she was bent over and could not straighten herself up. Now, I've seen this before in my life. Back home, we had a church. There was a guy. His name was Michael. We didn't know the lady's name, but all we knew was we called her uh, Michael's mom. The woman was homeless. She literally walked like this. I kid you not. Her face was down. Her back was hunched over. She could not straighten herself out. And the interesting thing about this text, and it's so, this is so powerful and symbolic for us today. The Bible says she could not straighten herself up at all. Yes, God. In other words, she could not do it. She could not straighten her life out. Yes. Neither yes. did she have the resources for people or anybody around her to straighten her life out for her. Everything in her life is in a downward spiral. She's walking like this, looking at the ground all day long. She's hunched over every single day of her life. And the Bible says she's been crippled by a spirit. She cannot help herself in any way. Do you understand me this morning? When Jesus saw her, yes. he called her forward yes, sir. Yes, and sir. said to her, woman, you are set free from your affirmity. But I like what the King James says, woman, thou art loosed. Thou art loosed. <laughs> yes. Then he put his hands on her. Thank you, Lord. And immediately, immediately, how fast? She straightened up and she began to praise God. Now watch this. Watch this. <laughs> Indignant, indignant, <laughs> because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, now wait a minute, brother. There are six days for work. So why doesn't she come and be healed on those days? But just don't come on the Sabbath day. I'm just reading the text, y'all, please. I'm making this up. Hey, Jesus could have healed her Jesus any other day if he wanted to. That's right. That's right. The Lord answered him, you what? Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound 
for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what has bound her. Notice what Jesus says. A spirit has bound her. Satan has bound her. An enemy has done this. When he said this, all his opponents were what? They were humiliated. But, oh, come on now. The people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. We have a tendency, brothers and sisters, to make the Sabbath so legalistic and so ritualistic that we don't get the benefit of the Sabbath day. Now, the Bible seems to be saying, I don't know, I get the sense that this woman was probably a part of this synagogue or a part of this church for a very long time. She just didn't come in as a guest or a visitor that day. She had been there for a while. And while the synagogue leaders could have placed hands on her and prayed a prayer of deliverance on her and set her free, probably 18 years ago, they did nothing of the sort. But Jesus comes on that day calls her forward to himself, touches her, and says, woman, thou art loosed. We ought to be grateful for the Sabbath day, not because of the rituals that come along with it, because it is a time when I get to, I have an excuse to rest in God. I have an excuse not to worry about my homework or my bills or any other troubles. It is a spiritual discipline in order to learn how to rest, brothers and sisters, and to trust God for what he will do in your life. This is what happens when Jesus gets in the Sabbath. She had been keeping the Sabbath for 18 years, but nothing happened for her. She was going to the synagogue on Sabbath like many of us, but nothing changed for her. Man, what I see out of this pastor is when Jesus gets in the Sabbath, (laughs) miracles. People get set free. People are loosed and people are healed. One of the things I also want to point out here is Oh, thank you, God. One of the, and you'll read this in the writings of Ellen White in particular. One of the re- people hated the Sabbath in biblical days because these, these Pharisees had made this thing. I mean, they got mad because a woman got healed, but they wouldn't get mad when they had to pull their ass out of a ditch. Come on now. Come on. They got mad because of, 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 over a donkey. They would, they would pull their donkeys out and their, and their animals and their oxen, but they would not. Come on, somebody. They would get mad when somebody got healed on Sabbath. Let me tell you something right here. But watch this now. The the scripture says people were delighted. Oh, wow. Watch this. Watch this. And I just read this study the other day. If we want people to love the Sabbath, we need to start doing something on the Sabbath other than coming here, parking for two hours, going back home, and doing our own pleasure. What will make people want to be a part of the Sabbath, what will make people want to know more about the Sabbath, is when we're on these streets, come on somebody, when we're doing good, when we're setting people free and loosening them and raising them up, they will say, what is this thing called Sabbath about? And we will be able to tell them the Sabbath is not the gift, but the gift is Jesus. That's right. That's right. Oh, I feel I preach in this place today. Oh, he's able to heal and deliver. He is able to get to set free. He is able to lift, bow down heads. Be set free on the Sabbath. Glory to God. I love the text in the Bible, Isaiah 58, where the Bible says, if you would just delight yourself on God's Sabbath day, If you would just delight yourself. This is the promise of scripture. I'm learning right now in my life. Thank you, God. Being able to apply promises to my life. The Bible says if you will just delight in the Sabbath day, God will cause you. This is the word of God to ride upon the high places of the earth. I didn't make that up. I didn't put I didn't put no spin on that. I didn't put no sauce on that. God says if you make the Sabbath day a delight. 
wanting to spend time with God, he will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. I love that word delight. The word God says, Psalms 37, 4. If you just delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you, yes. He will give you the desires of your heart. We are missing out on the biggest blessing and benefit of the Sabbath. But we think it's just all about church. Let me read this. There are, there are many of us. There are many of us who claim we're keeping Sabbath. Listen to me now. I don't care what you're not doing. If you have not entered into Christ, you are not keeping the Sabbath. Notice what the scripture says in Hebrews 4. We close here. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest. This is not talking about the day. For the people of God. Verse 10. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Just as God did from his. Verse 11 says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. The Sabbath is about entering into the rest that Christ has done it all. It's all about Jesus Christ. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed today. What we're simply going to appeal first is somebody needs to start resting in Christ. That's one appeal. Some of you, you worry too much, you stress too much, you working too much. And then there are others of you that need to start the way, just to be honest, and I'm standing here myself, the way that you have been keeping Sabbath has not been in alignment with the will of Jesus Christ. And you want to come and say, God, help me to make this thing special. I never shall forget when we first moved to Nashville, Tennessee, we wanted our children to not hate the Sabbath, but love the Sabbath. And every Friday night, we would have a cake with candles, seven candles on there. And we would play music and we would celebrate and we would party to the glory of God because we wanted our children to see this is a time of feasting and celebration. Some of you, the Sabbath is just, it's either been legalistic or it's just been loose and liberal. But God is saying today, enter into my rest. Receive the gift. You've only been receiving the box. Take the gift. You might fall somewhere in that category. And somebody might want to join a Sabbath-keeping church today. This church, Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you fall in any one of those categories, I want to invite you to come forward. The rest of us, if you're just glad about the Sabbath, I want you to stand on your feet right now. Just stand on your feet right now. If you, number one, you want to enter into God's rest. In other words, you want to be free from worry. You want to be loosed from burdens. You want to be loosed from your fears and from your anxieties. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you, if you need help with your stress, stressed out lives, I want to invite you to come right now and receive Jesus Christ. You may have received him already, but receive him again. Second thing is, some of you, the Sabbath has not been all that God wants it to be. I want you to know, this is supposed to be an amazing day. This is supposed to be an awesome day. Not because we went to church. That's only two hours. This is a 24-hour period of time from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. It ain't nothing but holly, holly, and heaven on earth. The Sabbath is supposed to be heaven on earth. And it hasn't been heaven. It's been worldly. If you want to make a commitment, I want to be more intentional. This is one of the things I've learned, Pastor Coxham. With the Sabbath, you got to plan. 
you got a plan to make it special. When I celebrate my wife's anniversary, I just don't show up on the anniversary with my wife. On our anniversary, our anniversary. I don't show up on the anniversary and say, what are we going to do? But I plan that thing because she's special to me. I'm in love with her. Are you in love with him? You ought to plan your time with him. And planning is not just coming to church. Coming to church on Sabbath is not keeping Sabbath. You can come to church every day during the week. Some of us are only Sabbath. The only, only way we can even call the, the Sabbath Sabbath is because we come to church. If that is Sabbath keeping for you, then you are not a Sabbath keeper. You simply just attend church. It is lawful to go to church any day of the week. But Sabbath is holy. Sabbath is special. Sabbath is more. God has got plans for you. Do you want your Sabbath days to be special? You want to make a commitment? I invite you to come down as well. I know. I, come on, saints. I know some of us. Come on. You want to make this thing special. It's been simply just a nap. You've been napping on Sabbath for 50 years. That's all you've been doing. And there's nothing wrong with getting a little rest. There's nothing wrong with getting some sleep. But is it special? Tell the truth. Have you made an effort to make it special? I want to invite you to come. What about your children? Have you been training your children that Sabbath is just church and it's nothing else? It is a gift. But the gift is Jesus. It's Jesus. About Jesus, more of his saving fullness, see more of his love who died for me, more, more about Jesus. Anybody want more of Jesus on your Sabbath? More, more about Jesus more of his saving fullness see more of his love who died for me Pastor Coxon, would you pray for us? Father in heaven, Lord, we're awestruck today and a sovereign and almighty God <laughs> wants to spend time with us we're grateful, oh God, that you love us so much that you don't want to be apart from us for too long. <laughs> and you miss your time with us. Truth be told, oh God, if our lives were left up to ourselves, we would work ourselves into the grave seven days a week, busy trying to get ahead. But Father, help us to know that we can make no real progress in this life. In fact, we're taking two steps ahead and five steps back if we do not learn how to rest in you. And here it is, God. The Sabbath day is also learning about letting go. <laughs> the Sabbath is learning how to trust God, that you will take care of our needs even though we're not working on the seventh day. Even though we're not making any money and we're not running errands and driving ourselves crazy into the ground, you will take care of our needs. You said on this day, don't do any work. Focus on me. Worship me. Many of us, oh God, 
We have been coming to church out of habit. We don't get anything from it. We just come because we've been coming. We just come because our parents have been here. We just come because we've been here all the while. God, help us to know that as in the story we just read, you work on the seventh day. And if there is no other day when we can have our needs met, if there is no other day when you can tabernacle with us, on this day you have obligated yourself and assigned yourself to meet with us and to answer our prayers. Father, help us to trust in you. And help us to rest today. I love what you have said in your word in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. It's a promise, God, and you cannot lie. You said if we come unto you, you will give us rest. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And we shall find rest unto our souls. Today, oh God, help us to realize that the gift is you. <laughs> Not the Sabbath day, not rituals, not regulations, not just working. We are not keeping the Sabbath day unless you are at the center of this thing and you are in our lives. So, Father, today, if not on any other Sabbath day, we are praying that, God, you would set free, that you would heal, that you would deliver, that you would redeem, that you would break down strongholds. Whatever is going on in somebody's life today, may you show them more than any other day that you work today. And, oh, God, we'll be careful to give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. We trust in you. We ask for more, more of Jesus. And above all things, when you come, oh, God, we're just praying that you will save us into your kingdom. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen.